Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome into the College Chaos Podcast. I'm Garrett Ross, alongside my man Jack McKenzie and you. And we hope you enjoyed another glorious weekend of college football as we saw a lot of interesting games unfold in the Big 12 as well as across the nation. You had Oklahoma State straight up getting the last word, the last deal in in Bedlam, sinking the goalposts. Back-to-back weeks, the Sooners have had goalposts Torn down and sunk they on them. They the goalposts? Bro, they tore them down. They they took them through a Wendy's drive-thru, and they ended up sinking them. It was a... That's a great stop it was in the middle. glorious... I mean, there are better places than Wendy's, but... You know, hey, you know, it's hot. You might need to get your Frosty or whatnot. Wendy's, what's up? Um, so I don't think it was that hot. Up and, <laughs> no, I know. Up, up and still wide. But no, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, that was one game where I think you took you took the uh, the pokes. I wanted to with all my heart. I'm so glad they won. Um, I picked Oklahoma and they let me down again. So you know it is what it is. But you had that one. That was nice for them. I think that was fun to see. Uh, they did what Texas A&M couldn't do in the final matchup when you know that thing ended with Texas. Now they get to renew that next year. But you had that game, which was great. Uh, you had Texas and Kansas State go toe-to-toe in a, another separation game. I think both of these games were really separating games as we um, look to unclog the top of the Big 12 food chain and see who's ultimately going to make their way towards AT&T Stadium. You had Kansas State go on the road to Texas. Uh, another one of those games where I think you took the horns, I took K-State. And uh, man, I wanted K State to win. Yeah, I think everybody, like I think everybody in the Big Twelve or just across the nation in general, is looking at these and like, okay, we want we want Oklahoma State to win, we want Kansas State to win. Unfortunately, the Wildcats weren't able to do that. Um, but man, that was a weird game because Texas jumped out to a big lead. Like they they look like the superior team. Um, I'm sitting there watching, like, damn, you know, like okay, this is something different. Was not expecting that, and then all of a sudden. It started – you remember when Texas did this to Houston a few weeks ago? They jumped out to the big lead, and then, like, they just got apprehensive or comfortable or something, and the Cougs came back and pushed them. It was the same thing here, man. Like, I, I don't know what's going on with the motor of Texas. If, but And I understand they would lose this game a lot back in the day. Like, this was a few years back. I understand that argument. But, man, good teams, playoff caliber, championship caliber teams – 
don't let things like that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you make the statement win against Alabama earlier in the year, and that was a game where, like, they didn't jump out to anything crazy. They had to grind the whole time. They got it done. Um, but I think that was a statement of, like, hey, we are here to compete for a playoff spot mm -hmm. this year. You can't kind of go back. Not like anyone said that unequivocally this year out of Texas, out of that Texas camp, but I don't think there's two ways about what their goal for this year is. So having these slip-ups, like, back to back to back, mm. I, like, I know they've had injuries and this and that. Just, like, if you're truly trying to compete for that at that level, you can't be having this every week. Right especially against teams as bad as Houston. Yes. <laughs> like, Kansas State's a different animal here. They're, they're definitely conference championship game quality. Definitely that quality. Right. Now they're going to have the execution to get there. Doesn't look like it this year. Point is, Texas can't be having that if they really, truly want to be playoff contenders and, like, act the part. They're not acting the part. No. So, it, it, it's concerning. Um I wonder what step they have to take to get there. I'd be interested in your thoughts on that. Um, but next year, it's only going to be tougher for them, I think, as far as competition level goes. No, it is. I think the the weird thing in this game was, or one, one, not, I wouldn't say weird, but the most notable thing in this game to me was Malik Murphy looked finally looked like a guy who hasn't had a lot of game reps. There were a lot of throws you go back and watch. I mean, I can't. There was probably. I'm thinking off the top of my head that I know there was at least two or three that I come to mind where he completely missed Xavier Worthy. Um, and, and, you know, I, under, I understand that that's going to happen, but at the same time, you've th those throws were ones that you've got to make. And when you're a high, highly touted recruit and you have all the expectations, you've been in this system, while I know you weren't necessarily getting the first team reps and you still got to build that chemistry with, with your receiving core, those are throws that I think he should and could be able to make on a consistent basis. Um and then, like, later on in the game, and hats off to Kansas State. I think they, they did a good job of uh, really uh, using halftime to make the proper adjustments and come out, and, and they really – their defense stepped things up in the second half. They were able to force Malik Murphy into a couple of uh, interceptions. And, you know, I, I mean, that's going to happen. But at the end of the day, Kansas State found themselves in a position to win this game in regulation. And they were driving down the field – uh, they had the ball. It was like ins it looked. I think it was inside the five, and they it was on third down, and so they had two opportunities to score. And I don't agree with this play call. Uh, a lot of people, if you do, let me know. That's cool. Um, but instead of like throwing or using the ability of Avery Johnson to get on the outside, since you've been rotating your quarterbacks, you elected to take Will Howard and try to run him up the middle on third down. And it, to me, it looked like. They were playing it safe and playing to set up the field goal for the tie to go into overtime, which I don't like in that situation. I think you've come back. You had all the momentum. Um, to me, show some more confidence in your team to try to, to take advantage of that situation. And that's, I know I know it go yeah. either way, but. It, it doesn't make much sense to me. Like, I don't think they called it believing they couldn't score on it. Now, why they didn't believe they couldn't score on it compared to any other goal line play that they had because, as you've told me, because I didn't really get mm -hmm. to watch that game. Um, crazy weekend for me. Um, but it didn't work earlier. It just wasn't working pretty much all day for them. That Texas D-line is very, it's very stout. Very stout. Um, so why not call something a little more fun? It's not like you were crazy worried about the time you called a run up the middle. Yes. <laughs> like, 
you have the whole playbook at your disposal and you choose one of the most conservative and predictable calls in it. That's what bothered me. That, that's, that's what bothered me because there were plenty of opportunities. You have enough playmakers over there um, to, to do something with. And, and if you wanted to run the ball in that situation with your quarterback, I just think Avery Johnson and his speed, I would have liked to see him get an opportunity in that situation instead of just running into a brick wall. I, and I understand that regardless, you made the comeback, you kicked the field goal, and you go into overtime. And once you get into overtime – Texas scores, and then K-State gets the ball, and they have an opportunity to – they scored. So Kansas State scored and matched it. And instead of – at this point, you've already played for overtime once. You elect to go for two. And while I, I respect it and I like the call, I mean, I understand the mindset. I don't necessarily know that I would have done that in that situation, but I guess that's why I'm not getting paid millions of dollars being a football coach. And – that was something that was really brought up multiple times. It was all over the, everywhere. And then Chris Kleiman was asked about it in the post game. He said, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it again. We had to end that game. We had a chance to win. You rallied from 20 back. You put it on the line to go for two. Would you have done that? What, what, what do you, how, if that was your team, or how would when, you have liked When exactly was that? That was in overtime. In they, overtime. Had, they had scored, and they had an opportunity to either kick the field goal, take it in double overtime. Or they try to elect to go for two for the win, and they didn't get it. If you're going to call the same goal line plays you called back in regulation, no. Play for the tie, because you clearly aren't going to make the right play call. But if you're ready to – like, if you've got a play in your back pocket that for some reason you didn't choose to use in regulation, like, that, that's the thing. Right. That regulation call makes me think, yeah, they made the right call in overtime. They don't have the right play calling to get them into the end zone when they need it. But – if they had, if they have that play call, why didn't they use it in either of those situations? Yeah. So that, that's where I'm at. Like, I like the killer instinct. Like, I, I fully understand when certain teams do it. There is just like, hey, we came back from 20 down. Like, our defense has been playing well. Our offense has been playing well. Like, let's keep cooking. So I like, I don't blame too much on that it's just I am still just left here wondering about Kansas State's red zone offense and the decision making there and whether or not they truly think they can execute right so that, that's where my questions are not so much on the like was it the right Correct. call is yeah. like what calls did you really have at your disposal that's that's an answer we'll never truly know that's an inside the building answer right so so ultimately Texas gets the dub and they're their hopes of playing for the Big 12 championship are still alive. Uh, now, looking at the remainder of their schedule, they are going to have to, let's see, they go to TCU this week. The way TCU's playing, I, I, and I know TCU's, you know, that's always interesting, but I don't think that's a problem. I think Texas gets the dub there. And then you have to go, so you got back-to-back -back road games. Then you got to go to Ames. And Ames is always a difficult place to play, and I know this is the last shot the Cyclones are more than likely going to have at getting Texas, but the way that Kansas was able to go into Ames this past week and get the win, the way we saw them here in Waco, like they're, they're okay, um, but I don't necessarily think they have the horses to compete with Texas. And Rocco Bet against whoever at this point is the quarterback, whether it's Malik Murphy or Arch or if Quinn is back. I just – I don't I, – Texas is just better at that position overall. I think they win that game. And then, obviously, they'll wrap it up with Texas Tech heading to Austin. And that's one where I was saying before that Brett Yormark's kind of already set the fire for that one. 
and I expect Texas to kind of make a statement in that win. So I think they got a pretty good shot of making it to AT&T Stadium. Um, do you see anybody – and and honestly, I guess we could go to who do you think would – do you see the – all right, first off, do you see them getting there? Or is, yeah, or is there any hiccup on that schedule that you think? Uh, like – Obviously, all three teams left on their schedule at TCU, at Iowa State, and Texas Tech. They're all going to be very gassed up to play them. Very gassed up knowing that, in all likelihood, beating the Longhorns can mean them missing that championship game. Right. Like, I don't want to underestimate that motivation. I I don't think TCU is the team to do it. Tech has been very questionable all year. Then again, I feel like they're one of the more emotionally driven teams in this conference. But they play a lot better at home. Yes. For better and for worse. I don't want to... Like, if I'm here putting money on it... Right. I'm saying they make it because they're one of the two one-loss teams left. And I don't see anyone left on that schedule that I truly, truly believe is going to step up and give them issues. Like I, I think they've got the offensive line and the quick passing game with the athletes to just dink and dunk their way past Iowa State mm-hmm. um, before they open up the long game on them. Because the 3-3-5 three, three, defense is kind of designed to like right. limit limit the explosive plays, make you beat them underneath, but like put a lot of pressure on every single little thing. Um, but if you do the little things underneath, all of a sudden it all opens up. So I don't feel like – Iowa State looks like there's, they should be the toughest matchup on this Schedule, not like matchup, matchup, but like best team right, yeah. on the schedule, and it's at Iowa State. I just still don't, I don't like that matchup. So yeah, I think Texas makes it. I, I really don't see Oklahoma State messing up. Their, I don't either. Their run. So like, I mean, at UCF, at Houston versus BYU, and we like, know how atrocious you like, dude. I like <laughs> Ollie Gordon against that UCF defense is going to be illegal. Yeah, and. <laughs> The way Houston's been grinding stuff out, like I trust them to get past Houston. For s- somehow Houston looks like like the the sketchiest one on this one. That's probably because it's in Houston and their run defense doesn't look as crap as UCF's to my eye. Right, it's bad. Like well, it's they're bad. they're both bad run defenses. I I don't want to mince my words there. Like they're both bad run defenses. So yeah, I I do think this is going to come down to the Pokes versus the Longhorns. Um, which I think that's a hell of a way for the Big 12 to kind of go out, if, if you know what I'm saying, like in its current form. Right. I think that's actually a pretty cool matchup. Um, as much as I would like that the Hateful Eight have full representation and the teams leaving have no representation yes. in the Big 12 title game. But I digress. What, what are your feelings and thoughts on it? I mean, I think honestly, I think that – Realistically, right now, it's probably going to be Texas and Oklahoma State. And it's really poetic, in a, in a sense, for the Pokes and Mike Gundy to be able to pull off what they've been able to do this year. They were literally left for dead. I know I personally was one of the people who were questioning is Gundy just, you know, as the game passed him up, or, you know, the transfer portal era, all that. They had that mass exodus. Then the South Alabama loss, the three – like, they looked just a hot mess. And then – they finally said, you know, we're going to settle on Bowman. We're going to feed Ollie Gordon the rock. And it's completely changed the game, man. And their defense is playing more confident. Um, I think they smell blood in the water. I think they see, especially after this Bedlam win, that they legitimately have the, op- the best opportunity to go and meet Texas. And I, at this point, man, that would be an interesting matchup. Like, I, 
it's hard. Like I think that would be really fun. I think Oklahoma State could push them and honestly could probably beat them. But man, it's just crazy. And I'm still wondering at this point, like what the hell has happened to Oklahoma? Um, and I'm I'm also and I know like that rivalry game with them in Texas. You got to kind of throw everything out the window. But I'm still confused at how the hell they even beat Texas. Like they look a shell of themselves right now. Yeah. Um, sorry, I had to respond no, to you're a, good. a text. Could you say that last bit again? No, I'm just saying Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma, I'm trying to oh, figure yeah. out like what the hell is going on with them. How they were able to beat Texas, even though that's one of those weird games where everything's off the table. But like they look like a complete shell of themselves and have no confidence or identity. I think what we're seeing is the offense is getting a little figured out. Like it, it's the end of the season. The ways in which uh, defenses can inhibit your strengths and force you towards your weaknesses, mm -hmm. they only become more pronounced as the season goes on. Right. Every week after every week, more and more little weaknesses pop up and defenses stack those on top of each other. And so by the end of the year, your offense should not be performing the same way it was at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the conference season even. Um, and I think that confidence, rhythm, and a fuller playbook are things that a rapid-fire air raid-style offense needs. Mm -hmm. You need to have – they could do this or this or this. Right. But when a defense is like, yeah, we're going to take away this and this and this. So you only have like two or three options here of what you're like reasonably going to do unless you installed a lot of new sh every week. Yeah. Like, I do think that plays into it. And then week after week, it's not just inside of games that air raid offenses, I think, need rhythm. I think it's week to week. They need to feel like they're building on stuff. They're, they're showing like, hey, we are dangerous with this, so you have to respect that so we can play off of it in this way and this way and this way. And I just think that a lot of their base stuff is not being executed well enough and so it's being taken out, and so the plays off of the base stuff right. aren't going to work because you're, you're not worried about it. Um, so you're not going to bite as hard on those fakes. Um, so, yes, I think, their offense is, I think their offense is what the issue is because um, I don't think Venable's defense was ever going to go out there this year with the talent they have and just, like, really slow everyone down a significant amount right. to cover up for those offensive issues. Um, both sides of the ball need to get better for them. They... They won the game that they really, really needed to win this year. Like, let's be clear. Yes. I think going into the year, if you said, hey, you're going to have a winning record and you're going to beat Texas. Oh, they like, would take that. I think they would have taken that. I think, I think, you know, you got a few games into the season. They're like, yeah, no, we need to win nine, ten games. It's like, okay. The thing is, they're like, they're still on track to, to win ten. They can still win ten. That, right. That's their that's their ceiling here in the regular season. Um, I don't think any Oklahoma fan should be mad about this year. I think... Um, like I, I do think it'll suck for Oklahoma fans that you lose to bed, you lose Bedlam on the way out. Um, you, you beat Texas. I, I just, I don't right. know. Sitting here as a neutral, it's like you can't be too unhappy. You beat the rival you care about more. True. You beat the rival you have to see next year. Yeah, and, and the, like, the facility. Yeah. You, I, I already got the vibe of like, a, yeah, we're we're done with you. Whatever. So so just let it be whatever. And like, yeah, you lost the last one. They'll hold on to that. Right. I don't think you will. No, I agree with that. And I know there's going to be Oklahoma people out there saying, well, we didn't have Jalil Farouk. Things would have been different. Well, guess what? He made a poor decision, and that's the consequences of not having him on the field. And I'm also kind of wondering, like you talked about Oklahoma's offense and how it's not clicking. Man, like all of these air raid offenses – have been struggling mightily this year. Like, you look at TCU, they can't find themselves. Oklahoma's been a mess. Clemson has 
really just kind of been in the same situation. And you talked about having the film and everything out there. I'm kind of wondering if these defenses are starting to catch up a little bit to what that was and if that's playing into why it's not being as successful as well, not just you know not having the playmakers out there or whatever, but that's just something, maybe something for another day. But did any other game in the Big 12 this weekend stand out to you or was there any big takeaways in general from the slate? Oh, man. From, from the whole slate, I mean – I hate to say it, but not really. Like, I, I think we got a lot of results we expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I think things that got kind of reaffirmed were all the new members are not, not, ready. not ready for the jump. Um, it took an astoundingly bad Baylor season, like bad Baylor team mm-hmm. for Houston to get that win in overtime. Yes. Um Cincinnati is definitely better than their record. I think they've checked out, man. I wouldn't say that. Um, but but yeah, um I think Cincinnati is better than their record. They they play every game tight. They just can't fucking finish. Yeah. Um the top is what we thought it was. It's just a matter of like who's gonna be the top two. Cause those top six, I mean, coming into the year outside of Oklahoma State, who since three weeks ago we kind of known like, oh hey, wait. Actually, mm-hmm. they're part of that. Like the other five, I don't think it's that outlandish to say. Maybe Iowa State's another one you pair with Oklahoma State. No, I I would say Kansas over Iowa State after this weekend. No, no. Um, what I'm saying is like out of that top six uh-huh. that we saw going into this weekend, those those matchups, okay, those three okay, matchups. Okay. Iowa State and Oklahoma State were the ones where you're like at the beginning of the year you probably weren't like yeah top six. Right. Okay. Okay. I got you. But it it, it feels like we've known this for weeks and we just kind of got to reaffirmation of that like hey these were good close games these are the top six in the league you know yeah i would agree with that and are you surprised at how kansas has been able to continue to roll even without daniels or is it the fact that bean has pretty much just seen more reps than daniels at this point and he's our starting quarterback and has him rolling i that's an interesting discussion i don't know i i'm not plugged in enough to kansas to feel good really talking on it right. much but like there's clearly something there in in that he plays to that level he is like when he comes in it's you're not thinking like oh man it's their backup it's like it's their other starter that's where i'm at with him dude i feel like like you can always talk about he's the cuz you know there's been the conversation about him being the best backup in the nation or whatever i just feel like at this point when you look at the game reps, he's a power 5 starting quarterback yeah i mean i feel like he's definitely i feel like you got to make you can't you can he is truly their starter, even kind of going back to last year when be, when uh, Daniels was hurt. Like, he's had to be that guy. So that's kind of one of those weird narratives that just comes like a cloud that hovers around him that thinks maybe misplaced at times. Yeah, I do think that we're seeing the um, – we're seeing the mix of, like, great player – ability and mentality mm-hmm. like especially the mental side of that for for being mixed with great coaching oh i see yes. this, this, like this, this is my bit on on coaching in the state of kansas every, every week i think I, I say something about it just like oh my word man just it, it's really cool to see it's it's awesome to see that he is ready to go does not really skip a beat. He he's out there to compete. He's out there to use all of his athletic ability mm. for the good of the team. Not like 
Daniels isn't. Right. Like no, he no. clearly put his body on the line yeah. for his team. <laughs> yeah, Do not did. get me wrong. It's just awesome to see that from a guy who like he transferred there to be the starting quarterback. Not like he had an agreement with anyone, but like you don't make that move without thinking like, hey, I can be the starter here. You don't go to the worst power five program over the last two decades or last decade and a half without thinking like, yeah, I, sh- I should be able to win the starting job. And it's crazy to think about that because he left North Texas, North Texas, because he wasn't getting the reps. So that shows like how you're talking about like where Kansas was viewed at in his eyes. Like I have a better chance at a power five Kansas than North Texas. Point is he went there. He believed he bought in, he worked hard and he's taken every opportunity that's come to him. And it's awesome to see. And at this point, if Daniels gets healthy, I don't know if you start him. I wouldn't, I I wouldn't like as clearly highly as I rated him before the season, this team is playing well with Bean as the starter. I don't think you th- you mess that up. I think if you're in a pinch, I think if you trust your two quarterback packages, which those are fun to watch, yeah, um, then then he'll get playing time. But I think he keeps starting Bean. And um, if I may, looking back at like the Kansas State coaching decisions this mm-hmm. week and looking at Kansas and how they handle things, I think it's an amazing way to view two very clearly towards the top of their game coaches like Kleiman and Leipold oh, are, are two of the better coaches in the nation. I firmly believe that. But I think you see one in Leipold who is aggressive and committed to what he believes about the game and he coaches that way in every single given instance. And I think Kleiman is more of the Mike McCarthy vein, if I may, where you can have so much success but he is not going to make that aggressive play call when he probably most needs to. Is that on him or is that on Colin Klein? Or is it just the head coach overall has the the authority to say we need to shake things up and and be more aggressive with our play calling? Obviously, the way every every staff handles it is a little different, but I think the best coaches are the ones who are like, this is my philosophy. This is what I want us to do as far as like, it's fourth and this at this place at this time in the game. Like I'm telling the second I know the down distance and like the the full situation, mm-hmm. I'm telling my OC over the headset, I want to punt, I want to run, I not not a run, but like right. I want to go for it or I don't. I think that's the head coach's call. Now I could be completely wrong. I don't have I don't have <laughs> coaching experience, but I in my mind like I'm willing to chalk that up to the head coach. Right. And if the head coach has passed that on to the OC, I'm still gonna put that on the head coach. Yeah, if you pass up that level of decision making, right? Because that is such important decision making. It's awesome if you trust your OC to that level, but the head coach, having passed on that, needs to understand it's still his. Like it, the the buck stops at his right. plate. I agree with that. So okay, all right. Well, anyway, I, I'd, I'd love to hear your take on on Bean versus Daniels. Real I just because I, I I went into my coaching. No, I I think at this point, I think both of them are good quarterbacks. Obviously, if you have Daniels available, uh, well, I wouldn't say right now because if Daniels does come back, I think the way the team is playing, the rhythm, everything they have right now, I don't want to disrupt that. And I know that's a difficult decision for a lot of coaches. And you have a more talented player per se sitting there, but the way things are going right now, I don't want to disrupt the rhythm. So I would still leave Jason Bean as my quarterback. Now I might find certain packages or ways to get Daniels involved again. Um, But at the same time, we saw them do that last year against Arkansas, and it backfired, and it cost them the game when they got tricky with that 
pass play that they they drew up with the reverse with both quarterbacks in there. So I think that's kind of a tricky situation. I don't necessarily like two quarterback systems or packages at all. I think you know some people can make it work. Ninety five percent of the time, it's not going to. I think K State has handled it pretty good this year with Johnson and Howard. But at this point in the season, and I, I'm not sure if I'm not a hundred percent like. Daniels' eligibility and if he could medically redshirt or if he could come back. I I don't know all of that. If he could and if that's an option, um, then I would definitely say, hey, you stay here, you you get healthy, and we'll run with you next year. Now, if that's not an option, he's out of um, eligibility and everything, then I still don't risk it because unless for some reason Jason Bean just starts struggling dramatically or defenses adapt to him real quick. But at this point in the year, the way everything is going, I'm staying status quo. And I'm going to ride with Bean. Yeah. I, like I said, I agree. I mean, it's just – it's so tough to mess up that rhythm that I think he's so clearly in at this point. Right. Not like they're blowing anyone out and maybe no, but Daniels they're handling their better business. score lines. But at the end of the day, it's about wins. Yep. It's about wins. This is not like some individual accolades yeah. kind of thing. Uh, you want to you wanna take a break and then we yeah. can hop back in some more college football stuff? Yeah, let's take a break right here. Um, I'll let Jack walk over to the thing and I'll slowly – walk and talk it out but no um we can jump into a few of the other big games from around the nation this past weekend lsu broke my heart um georgia got pushed by mizzou and then there is finally a new defensive coordinator or defensive coordinator change out west with usc we'll get into that next here on the college chaos podcast welcome back into the college chaos podcast garrett ross jack mckenzie here with you and we appreciate you tuning in, whether it is live or you're going back and checking us out on YouTube or if you're listening to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your music. We appreciate that. Make sure you hit like and subscribe as we continue to try and grow this bad boy. A lot of games this weekend. Um, I, I, I was yeah. flipping back and forth. Um, your, your Tigers were on. That was a uh, end of the first half was pretty fun to watch. To an extent. Um, How are you feeling about your Tigers? This is what I expected. I mean, you know, you know, I, I, I've been pretty honest with you about how this whole situation unfolded. Um, I just, I, I was nervous about that game, and I, I knew I should have picked Bama. I knew in my soul, I felt it. I should have picked Bama. I sh- did not trust LSU. Um, you had an opportunity. I think I told y'all. I think I, I told you and Paul this. Maybe it was on uh, the triple option that going into this game, I felt like Jaden Daniels. LSU quarterback, had an opportunity to either legitimately solidify his candidacy for the Heisman, which he looked like he was on the verge of doing, or or he was going to get knocked out. And he did kind of both. Uh, in the first half, he looked like he was making a case for the Heisman. Uh, he went off. He had four touchdowns, uh, lit Bama's defense up, and then he gets hit. And I know there, it's a bad hit. I know a lot of people were pissed about it. Um, and it could have been targeting, probably should have been. In the NFL, that was definitely millions of dollars of fines and everything else. Not millions. And, but, I look, my, my perspective on that hit was, while it was violent, your All-American offensive lineman and Will Campbell shouldn't have been blown up on the play and should have held his block and not got his quarterback killed. But that didn't happen. So I just, man, yeah, I think I was nervous. I felt uh, like this game was getting going to slip away when it was in the second quarter and LSU had the ball at, it was like the 48-yard line. 
and they decided to go for it on fourth down after Bama's defense had been dominating. And I thought that was a terrible call. Um, I know your defense is bad. Um, it is just the worst defense I've ever seen at LSU. It's got to change. But I would, I would not have I, – I, they should have punted the ball. They should have punted the ball in that situation. I knew when it came down to coaching, back and forth, Brian Kelly's not that dude in those situations, especially going up against the Jedi and the Godfather and Nick Saban. Like, Jalen Milrow – I don't think I'd ever call him a Jedi. I know. I, that's maybe Darth Vader. But, like, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yep, there we go. There we go. Uh, but, dude, yeah, um, Jalen Milrow has found himself – Tommy Reese, offense coordinator at Bama, has done a great job of saying, look, we know what you're great at. We're going to cut you loose. There are still some throws he made that he completely missed. There was a wide-open touchdown because LSU's defense was just not paying attention uh, that he overthrew. But he also had an opportunity to run it in, but he decided to throw because it would have been literally a walk-in touchdown. Uh, so I'm still concerned about his accuracy, but overall, I think Garrett Nussmeyer, Nussmeyer when he came in for Jaden Daniels, he looked a little shook. LSU just couldn't respond. Their defense is atrocious. Harold Perkins got worked by um, Jalen Milrow. He got just ran over and just clowned, honestly. Um, it's, it is what I expected for this year. I think they're going to be all right. I think LSU is going to win a lot of games, but they have got to tighten up that defense. Um, you're definitely going to miss Jaden Daniels next year. You've got to get more playmakers in there from, at the running back position. They're going to be fine with the quarterback – I mean, with the receiving core they have. But, man, it's so weird for me as somebody who's watched LSU for a long time and watched a, a program predicated on their defense and DBU and everything, and it just flipped – the script completely flipped with Joe Burrow, and I loved it. You know, and I love the natty and everything, but you've got to have balance, man, and they've lost that. It's all offense now. It's not defense. If they've got to find a balanced attack, if they want to legitimately have opportunities to compete in the SEC and play for championships, Georgia's not going anywhere. Bama's going to be just fine. You're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma who are going to still recruit at a high level and, and push everybody in there. Um, yeah, dude, I think you're going to win a lot of games at LSU, but until you can tighten things up and get some balanced approach and get a better defense, man, I, I, I just don't trust Brian Kelly. I'm trying to figure out if I thought that was more positive or less positive. I don't know. Be. I don't know. Because like, you started off pretty like, this is terrible, and then you're like, you're going to win plenty of games. I, I'm just and digging for hope. Like, I don't trust you. I don't. I don't. I think they're going to win. A, it's going to be like Notre Dame. He's going to win a lot of games. How How do you feel about it in the broader picture of the SEC, especially this year? Because, like, we were looking at a very down SEC, and I don't know why, but it felt like, hey, down SEC, someone else could be. Yes. Like, we could have a random championship. No, it's going to be Bama, Georgia. It's, it's so weird because you've seen – all right. For instance, Mizzou. Mizzou has looked a lot better, right? Um, but Mizzou is still Mizzou. I think they pushed Georgia this past weekend. They're going to be okay. I wish they played Bama this year. That would that could shake some things up. But so so you got Mizzou who's getting better. I think Drink is trying to figure it out. Burton's Burton's Luther Burton's a dog, and I wish Absolute he wouldn't have gotten stuff. hurt. And I know ifs and whats and all that crap, but that's the game of football. Um, but I think they're going to be pretty good going forward. I, A&M is in disarray. That's, that's a hot mess down there. Uh, Jimbo is – I don't see anything getting better for them, but LSU always struggles with them for whatever reason. They always struggle with A&M. 
Ole Miss is looking better. Um, I love Lane Kiffin. I think he's hilarious, but I wouldn't want him to be the coach of my team. You know, like yeah. that, that's where yeah, I'm no, at no, with same him. Here. I, I think he's a lot of fun to watch from he afar. Is, exactly. I honestly think he might be even fun to watch from up close as like a oh, dude, co- a like covering them would opponent. be hilarious. But like, I wouldn't want. To, I wouldn't want. To but I don't want to coach my team. Covering them. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't want him coaching my team. So I think Ole Miss is one of those programs that's always going to give people hell as long as Lane is there. And Florida is just kind of, you know, whatever. Tennessee's kind of gone back to what Tennessee has been. So, yeah, I think somebody should have stepped up. I, I think LSU's still going to win a lot of games. I think the divisions are going to go away. That's going to make it more intriguing. Um, and it's going to make it difficult to just have, like, Bama or LSU first Georgia every year. So, I, I don't know. I just – I, I, I don't – huh? Probably still what it's going to be. <laughs> I know. I, I think it is. I just – I still I, – yeah. I don't know how I feel about – I think LSU is still always going to be good. They're always going to get the talent. They're going to be good. But I don't – and I think that having the 12-team playoff and getting the right matchup could help them because I think they're always going to find themselves in that mix. But as far as, like, winning the SEC title and regularly pushing Bama, like, it was cool to beat them last year. But you got they have not been able to do it consistently, and I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah. Well, thank you for that piece. Uh, You're welcome. Thanks for letting me get that on my chest. Yeah. Now the other the other big thing we want to talk about outside of the Big Twelve, Alex Grinch. The band man's gone. He is gone. He can't hurt them anymore. So now now the other band man <laughs> that brought him from Oklahoma with him is the only one that can hurt them. I just okay. I I don't understand this. I I didn't understand the move in general when Lincoln Riley took the Who job. Did I know? Who did understand but, him okay, bringing Grinch with if him? If I'm Caleb Williams. I would have been like, yo, Lincoln. Again, I need to look back at the timeline because I need to know if Caleb committed before knowing the DC. Oh, yeah, that or, was a package deal. No, no, like, was the package Riley and Grinch and they brought Caleb or was the package? I think it was Riley and Caleb, Caleb and, and they brought Grinch. And I would have been if like, I was Caleb, I, I would have noped out. Yes. I would have noped out immediately. I would, I would have, been have like, too. I'm not in any classes yet. Have fun, y'all. I mean, that just, I mean, I understand having faith in a coach and a coach, you know, and building that bond and everything. I respect that. I, I, I respect the hell out of that. But this is a business, and that was a bad business decision by mm-hmm. Caleb Williams. And now he's crying in the stands with his parents because he ain't getting a Heisman. You're not playing for the Pac 12 championship. Um, everything that's going on with his dad behind the scenes, have NFL teams kind of like, uh, I don't know. And we see this a lot with quarterbacks who come back. You know, it, it's nothing new. It's just crazy to watch how it's unfolded. Look, but, man, it's not on him. This, Oh, I was about to say the opposite. I, it's not on Caleb. No, no, it is. How? Not the losses. That's yeah, what I'm talking about. Okay, I'm talking about Everything he's feeling right now, that's all his own damn fault. Everything he's feeling right now. I would agree with he that. He chose it all. He should have been smart enough to see everything before he committed. He yes. got to see it up close and personal at OU. Why would it be different at USC? Why? I think maybe they were sold a bag of goods, or he they sold him a bag of goods as, we're going out to Cali, everybody wants to come play in the sunshine of USC, and we're going to attack the transfer portal with okay, all this okay, money. Okay, and- okay. Now... I could spend five minutes with Caleb Williams and made a very good argument whether he would have listened to it or not about why that's some bull crap. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? That whole sales pitch works on skill guys. Yeah. Call me back when it works on the offensive linemen, the defensive linemen, the linebackers. 
I, I agree with you. Like, like where, where games won, what, what do teams moving up a division, moving up a conference, where do they have to be like, oh, In we the need trenches. to get better here? Yeah, the trenches. And what is the one move USC made? One. You got to bear Alexander, That's and it. that was that it. it. And he has cost you a game. Yeah. Imagine that. The guy who had trouble. Like, yeah. I, I just... It, it, you see, that took me like, what, one minute? Mm-hmm. It, it just... I blame Caleb Williams for Caleb Williams crying in the stands. Okay. Because he had every opportunity to be like, you brought Grinch in? Yeah. yeah. Like... Why? I, I, I he saw it. Uh, I'm gonna be a broken heart. I'm just gonna talk myself in circles because he saw it at OU. He chose to keep seeing it at USC. Uh, the only thing Why I can think of. Why do you of, think it's different? It is literally the definition of insanity. Oh, I Banging know. your head on the same freaking door the whole time, and then all of a sudden expecting it to open. It's crazy, dude. Like I just, I, I personally wouldn't have bought it. I, don't, but that was the only, the only thing I can rationalize that with is they literally sold him on like we're getting all these people and we're gonna be good and uh, everything. And, and you know, maybe and I don't know if maybe another thing was when they made that decision and the move to go out there. I don't know if they expected the Pac-12 to be this good, and the caliber of quarterback. That an offense that they would see week in and week out. I don't know if they expected that, um, but if they didn't, that's kind of poor evaluation. Reading the room and because you knew going out there, I mean, you had Bo Nix and Penix, all those dudes were still at, at were at their schools already, you know. And then you had the whole Dion hype train come in or whatever. Um, but yeah, I just I, I think it was like bad evaluation, a bad reading the room situation by all of them. I, I hold Lincoln Riley fully accountable for all of this. Like, I don't – it's unjustifiable to brought Grinch with you knowing you were going to get what you got. And the fact that you were putting all this – the expectations on the shoulders of Caleb to outscore people is pathetic. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's next for them in general. Like, I don't see a situation where Lincoln Riley is at USC very much longer. I can see a situation where he finds a way to bring Aranda in. That was where I wanted to go next. Because I do. I think that that Aranda is the southern, first person. He's a, he's a Southern Cal guy. Yes. Lo- like, we know he can succeed as a defensive coordinator, especially if he has good recruiters around him. There's one thing I won't, like, say badly about Lincoln Riley. He can recruit his ass off. Oh, yeah. Especially when he's at USC. And so if Baylor chooses to move on from Dave Aranda, which you've got three wins, three games left, it's not looking good no, for Baylor, not at all. That, their schedule, like there is a decent chance Dave Aranda gets moved on from. Um, I don't. I got no inside info there. It's just, just a gut feeling, man. It's it's pretty. It's, frankly, it's, it's just, bad it, around here. It's, look, look at the record. Look at the competition. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So there's a chance there. Seat's hot. I think that's Very fair hot. to say. Um, so if that seat becomes empty, then uh, it it would make. Almost too much sense. Now, whether or not Dave would choose to work under Lincoln, right. that's that's a different well, question. I don't know. But it's a damn good opportunity, a damn good bounce back. And frankly, if he does a good enough if if let's get let's take that step down the road, he takes the DC yes, job. There. Lincoln's offense still isn't getting stuff done. That could be a very quick, prestigious bounce back of like, hey, he got the defense in order. He's mm-hmm. the interim. The interim went well. Let's right. try him out. 
I just, the only hesitation I would have, because I think that's the ideal situation. That's the ideal fit. You're going back to home. You know, he, his, his mom's out there. He just lost his dad. You can be close to your family and everything. I think it would be perfect. But at the same time, Lincoln Riley is one of the most petty individuals I've ever seen in my life. And I think going back to the double double uh, storm in the field, that whole crap that unfolded here, like I think he might still be holding on to That would be the only reason. And it, it would be selfish and ignorant, but I could so literally stupid. see it happening. It would be so stupid because if there's one guy that I know through his like coaching career has given him – terrible troubles as like a dc versus his offense it's dave aranda oh yeah dave aranda has his offense's number so why would you not bring that Team guy up, in? man why like come on i would the only another granted a, like everything that's gone on, on at baylor over the last two years i'm not putting anything low. into that okay i'm not putting anything into that if i'm a school evaluating aranda as so a by low you're saying by low oh hell yeah um by low sell high but yeah but another person that I think would be an excellent fit out there would be Jim Leonard. And he's over there sitting at Illinois right now as the analyst. Mm. If you're able to get him to go out there, I think he's probably waiting for an NFL job. I mean, I don't blame him, but dude, him or Aranda would be him and Aranda would be my first two calls. And whichever order you wanted to put that in, I don't care. Cause that's the two I dudes I would Packers be going to call. I know had, you do. had called Jim Leonard in the off season. <laughs> Uh, when Baylor was looking for a DC in the offseason, he was my number one target. I, I don't hate the guy they have here because I think it's a talent issue. Um, yeah. But, like, frankly, I'd, if I didn't think Baylor had to look for an offensive coach, uh, if they move on, right. again, another if, um, okay. uh, yeah, then I'd be that. looking at Jim Leonard still. And mention, mentioning that, and we'll go, we'll, we'll break after this and go for our final segment. But if it all unfolds here, which I'm, it's, it's very likely it could. And we're talking about Aranda being a good fit out at USC as the DC. Realistically, and this is our I guess our weekly plug. If I'm Iowa, I'm calling Jeff Grimes like, "Hey, we got the offensive lineman. Hey, we're in the bit. We can. We got the money. Dude. Hey, you want to come get nasty? Come up here and That's do that. A good idea. Yeah, I know. I would make that call in a heartbeat. That's a really good. They're never not going to have a good offensive exactly. line. Like. If they didn't have a good offensive line, that would be an average quarterback. Like, one, that would be a miracle. Two, that would be so entirely your fault as a coach for recruiting. (laughs) Yes, I know. (laughs) But, like, at Iowa. But say you're already starting out with Cade McNamara next year, right? He's already said, I'm coming back. So you got your quarterback. All you and you got you're gonna have the dogs in the trenches. All you gotta do is get a couple of running backs, which they're gonna be able to do. Are you kidding me with that defense? That's way too good of an idea. I know. That's way too good of an idea. But that was our weekly Iowa plug. I just had to throw that out there. That's something. I don't that think has we been... usually do a plug. I think we usually do like a point and laugh. I know, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> we we usually bring them up every week. So I had no, but I've literally been thinking about that over the weekend. I was like, man, if it all hits the fan here, Dude, there are two legitimate, I, um, oh my word, situations where the dudes here could benefit magically. Like, holy hell, Garrett. Yes. Get on the phone. Bro, I'm telling you. Get on you, the phone right I'm now. I'm telling you. That's something that, like, yeah. Obviously, they should just look at hiring him away. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I, the scheme works too well with the perfect. bodies they it are is always literally going to have. like a puzzle. Just doo-doo-doo. Frankly, the wide zone probably just works better at the majority of Big Ten schools. My only thing would be, the only concern I would have. Like, why, why are you trying to bring the air raid up to Wisconsin? 
Bring the well, wide zone. Exactly. That's my thing. It's like the only concern I would have is you got to make sure if you do bring it in. We've seen it work. We've seen it work here. When it's humming, man, you can score. But when you have – I would just be like, okay, if you got USC, you got Washington coming in, there's going to be more – you're going to have to score more. Then I would just need to make sure that if I did that, if I was Iowa, that you can score if with Ferenc it. If Ferenc stays because I, there's this whole question of, like, he had He's, to fire his son. Is he going to stay? I, and that's – I could see him leaving If or he stays, retiring. the defense is going to stay good. So, like, I think I'm the defense really, will always stay pretty good. That's kind of, like, what it is. I'm, so, like, point is I'm not really worried about, like, oh, the higher-powered offense. Like, they play Ohio State, and it's, like, 50-50. Great point. You know? Like I'm just saying, dude. That's that's they play Michigan. Michigan's got such a unique offense, like unique in terms of like they can score fifty in any game, but they're not doing it the same way most other fifty point teams right. are doing it. So like I don't really count that against them when they get fifty. Yeah. Like yes, you count it against them, but not the same. You know what I'm saying, right? Like in 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 terms of the offenses they're going to start seeing, I I'm not crazy scared. Right. I don't. Yeah. Especially as the weather shifts and. It benefit, yeah. That yeah, and buddy. frankly, when you have the guys for the wide zone scheme, you shouldn't be scoring less than thirty a game. No, you'll be putting up some numbers. Like, I know Iowa thirty a game. That that that's a it's a possible. Lot. You might lose your mind the first season <laughs> if you have it because it sounds beautiful to y'all. I'm sure. Yes. Anyway, anyway, we do want to hit one last topic today after the after our final break. We kind of want to take a look at uh, the Big Twelve with. Uh, just kind of a broader perspective, the you know the hateful eight versus the teams leaving, and what are the teams? How are the teams coming in looking? Going to, and like yeah. Arizona, whew, they're going to be coming in on a yes. heater now. Um, so just kind of looking at that, looking at the state of the Big Twelve, looking at how the hateful eight are feeling, knowing that they've probably knocked out one of the two uh, out teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Big 12 Championship this year. So we'll dive into that, right? Yeah, we're going to get into that in a moment. We'll pull up the AP Top 25 poll as well, see how many of those teams that are coming in and how many of those are exiting are in there, where it's looking like, and what you can see kind of projected going forward for the Big 12. You're listening to the College Chaos Podcast. Welcome back into the College Chaos Podcast. Garrett Ross, Jack McKenzie here with you, and Final segment, we are going to get into the Big 12, the new schools coming in, what to expect as some of these programs are starting to click and others are starting to unravel, but I think it'll all sort itself out in the end. And Jack, what are your, what did you want to touch and think about on this? Um, I really just, like one, I wanted to hear your opinion on just kind of the, the state of the hateful eight mostly and what that means for the big 12 moving forward because obviously you're getting four new teams in but we're looking at a year where very clearly outside of pretty much a single exception Mm -hmm. the worst teams in the big 12 are the new members that shouldn't be the same now that like next year when four power five schools Mm. move over um but the fact that oklahoma state was able to knock oklahoma down and it looks like Oklahoma's on the outside looking in of the Big 12 championship game picture. Um, like I said earlier, I think it's an interesting matchup with Texas and OSU in the in the championship game. But I, I just like to see from your perspective, especially from kind of an outside mm-hmm. SEC guy perspective, your thoughts on where the Big 12 and more specifically the hateful eight are in the world of college football. Um, like right now or going forward? Just in Both. general? I think right now um, – hmm. I think it's still going to be a challenge for the Big 12 to consistently get 
respect or compete, find people who can actually compete for national championships. Um, and I know you can look at the new schools coming in and everybody would point to Utah and be like, what about the Utes? Well, they, they haven't done it. They've been winning the Pac-12 and they keep getting left out. So uh, I think it'll be kind of a same situation. I think going to a 12-team playoff will help, um, especially teams like Utah. But as far as the hateful eight go, um, I think that we have seen over the past few years that your most consistent team or two of your most consistent teams are Kansas State and Oklahoma State. What they've been able to do, I think they're always going to be in the mix. They're always going to be competitive. They're always going to be somebody that you got to watch out for. Um, I think what Kansas is building right now, if they can hold on to Leipold, they can make themselves uh, or put themselves on that tier as well. Uh, and I, I really think he likes at Kansas. I think that he's going to be there for a while. I know that a lot of Big Ten co- teams would love to have him, and he's going to be receiving calls. But I just feel like there's something there. There's something special happening. Uh, so I think that those three would be set up. I think TCU, what's happened to them, they kind of take the Baylor approach where you reach these pedestals uh, and these these places you haven't been before, and you completely just didn't build off of it. You crept the bed. Um, so I'm kind of concerned about them. I think they'll always be in flux, and I think that's going to be the same for Houston. Um, well, I guess as far as the hateful eight goes, um, and then as far as the new teams coming in, man, I think I think that Utah is definitely going to be the one. Arizona, if they can keep Jed Fish and they can start recruiting Texas, they are going to be hell to mess with. Um, I'm not saying that they're going to always compete. I think they would probably be like a. I don't know, Iowa State, or probably a more athletic version of an Iowa State. I don't know about the part, start recruiting Texas part. Like, if you couldn't convince kids to go out and party in Arizona right now from Texas, what what, what difference I just think it would be ha- easier if you're coming in and you can sell, hey, your parents can see you here. And we have possibly up to, what, Baylor, Houston, Tech, TCU. Am I missing somebody else? Like, at least four pe- four teams – within drive, reasonable driving distance that your parents or your family could come to. I think you could even make that case for Oklahoma State if you're recruiting kids out of the Metroplex. I just th- That's the one thing. I would. That's the only difference I would say. That's what like, I'm kind like of hanging my hat Oklahoma on. Oklahoma State could already do that, and they already don't. No, I'm talking about for Arizona. Yeah, yeah, but you're saying – like I'm saying if, if my, you have – My point in recruiting is like I, I really don't get this. Like if the programs are not definitively better – than Texas's programs. That includes A&M, right. Texas. Like, I don't buy the, oh, now they can recruit Texas. Like, Alabama, oh, now Alabama can recruit Texas Alabama better. Can always recruit Texas. <laughs> that's, that's my point. I don't understand this, oh, well, now they can recruit this because now they're in there. It's like... What I think is there's you're you, not you going to get... Brands draw guys. That's what I'm saying. If you that's haven't what built your brand, you're not going to draw the guys. No, and that's what I was and saying. So you don't have to be in the conference if you have a good brand. But though I think there's a separation in the player, in the caliber of player, okay? I think those brands are always going to get your four and five stars. What I'm saying is the abundance, the mass abundance of those three-star athletes that would have an option to go out there that and you could sell, hey, we were going to be coming to Texas. I think Texas. it makes them choose an Arizona over maybe a Purdue. But what I'm what I'm saying is they're not going to beat out Texas schools. No, 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 no. They're going to beat out other schools that aren't in the conference with Texas schools. So if that's what you're saying, cool. I, but I think but they could time, make a case. Every time someone says it, what I hear is they're going to start beating out the schools that are, they're about to be in the same no. conference with that are at the same level that are actually in that state. No, the only school coming in 
that I think can can recruit, and they're not going to do it in the bulk on the par of what Texas and Oklahoma that are leaving would be Colorado just simply because of Dion. He's going to get dudes for whatever damn reason, and it's not going to work 95% of the time. Yeah. Okay. But that's where I'm at on that. So what was your big overarching, like in one sentence, looking forward, the hateful eight and the big 12 at large are in a blank place. I think they're still just there. I think as far as football, they're still going to be there. There's no brands. There's no real national respect that's going to come there until they can prove that they can go into the playoff, regularly compete, and they need a couple of teams to make it to the championship or at least the final four. If they cannot do that, the perspective is always going to be there, and they're going to be a basketball conference. And I think that's kind of a, in the back of Brett Yormark's mind and why he's putting so much emphasis oh, that's on the basketball. Safeguard. Yeah, you absolutely. Because you can't, you can't break away everything as far as college because, athletics okay, without like, the Big 12 because basketball is the second biggest sport. I think, but we don't need to get into that No, but today. like my perspective, okay, for instance, the other day they dropped the, the schedule, right, for 24 through 27. Yep. There was nothing on there that got me excited. It, just nothing. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. And I think that's going to be a lot of people's perception of it until they can actually prove that they can win. I don't even think it's necessarily that they, pr- that they have to prove that they can win. Like, yes, in one perspective, the championship perspective, recruiting perspective. Right. But as far as entertainment value, I think it's just a lot of, I don't know what this is going to be. Like, I don't know if it's going to be electric or, it's, or if it's going to feel like sanitized national branding. So, like, right. I, I think that's a problem they're they're going to run into is, like, the we kind of need this to happen so it feels real. Right. Because I think we've been in a period of so much overturning that, like, a lot of it doesn't feel real. It, it feels like, yeah, it's kind of like a video game. Like, did, did some kid get the controller? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, we're about out of time. I really appreciate your insight on that because, um, like, it could go any way. And so, like, you don't want to just shut down anyone. No, opinion. I think you're going to have a lot of fun games. There's going to be some parody, but at the same time, I think in the broader, the bigger picture, it's just going to be like, okay, cool. It's there. Yeah. Um, I do think it's nice that there will no longer be a fifth Power Five conference to have to compete with. Yeah. <laughs> so now it's just like, hey, can you either outsurvive the ACC or just flat out outplay them on the field? That'll be interesting because right. Florida State is clearly in, better, in a better spot than any. Big 12 program, including Utah. Yes. I just want to be clear about that. Oh, I'm yeah. Including, I'm including those Florida new State's a blue blood. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see because the rest of the ACC, they're having a knife fight. It's looking interesting. That's a dumpster fire over there. Louisville's coming along. <laughs> Notre, I don't know if you want to include Notre Dame. Clemson Clemson feels like it's on its way to having I, Yeah, some, Louisville's some been cool. Lu- Lu- yeah. Louisville's Point been is, cool, but whatever. It's going to be interesting to see going forward. Yeah. All right, so that's going to do it for today. We appreciate y'all tuning in. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday to do our picks, and we'll have those out for you as well. On Thursday. on Thursday. We'll have the picks out on Thursday. We record them on Wednesday. Make sure you go over to the Crystal Ball College Football channel, like, and subscribe. Uh, but for Garrett, I'm Garrett. For Jack, we out. Holla.